Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Water Cooler, the world's most statistically average sports podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals, featuring 341 shows with a stable of former players and local media personalities. Check us out today at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V. My name is Ryan Saber, the most electrifying voice in sports information, and with me as always... What up, what up? It's me, it's me, it's Lukey C, a.k.a. The Crockpot. We got anything to talk about today? Is there anything happening? Or We got an interview today. We have Chops, co-host of Complex Sports Load Management Podcast. We're going to get to him in a little bit. We're, after that, we're going to do a Week 7 recap, a small Week 8 preview, a little bit of a condensed show today because of the interview. And then we will do a little bit of a college football weekend recap talk about some Big Ten football. Before we get into the interview with Chops, the NFL and college football are in full swing. You might not be at the games this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Tough, tough week for the water cooler from a betting perspective last week. We went 0-3. Thanks, Cody Parkey. You missed the extra point, which cost us the cover. Steven Guskowski, to a lesser degree, missed a field goal that would have sent it to overtime that would have given Luke a little bit of an opportunity for his Titans pick. And then obviously my feel lucky pick of the week with uh with the pit with the Pitt Panthers was completely was completely out of bounds. So we're now five, eight, and two. What do you got this week? I'm going with the Panthers minus two and a half at home versus the Falcons. What do you like? I got three this week. I'll tell you, we're getting back on the, we're getting back on the free money. I mean, it's coming. It's coming. No, no, like people it. need to bet against us. I think that's where this this is becoming the fade the fade picks of the this week. This is but the I, fade me the fade me section. I got three this week. I got my primary. Three. I got my my bonus pick one and my bonus pick two. So my primary this week under fifty and a half Colts in Detroit. I think that that game, uh, even though Detroit's playing a little bit better now that Galladay's come back, their offense is kind of coming alive. I think fifty and a half. I think that's a big number for them, so I'm taking the under. Bonus pick, if you're feeling lucky, I like Auburn plus three at home against LSU. Not great teams, but I think Auburn's a little bit better, and for them to be getting three points at home, I love that. And then bonus pick number two, if you're feeling really lucky, I got a Big 12 football game that has a spread that's not 60 points. Texas at Oklahoma State's 58.5. That's just begging for you to take the over. So, under 15 and a half Colts at the Lions, Auburn plus three at home against LSU, over 58 and a half Texas at Oklahoma State. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino, it never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, it's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sports book experts. 
With us today is Chops, co-host of Complex Sports Load Management Podcast, touted as the podcast where athletes are able to speak their minds in an unfiltered setting. A lot of really great content that Luke's turned me on to. Very impressive guest list. Chris Bosch, Kevin Garnett, J.J. Redick, Mike Vick, Travis Kelsey, Brett Favre. The list goes on and on and on. Chops, thank you very much for being on the show today. How you doing? What's up, fellas? Thank you for having me. So we're going to start. coming. Yeah, thanks for coming, man. We're going to start right off at the top. How'd you get connected with Complex? Obviously, the show's blowing up. What's the process you guys went through to get to where you're at right now? So my Complex career actually started a long time ago. Uh, it started in like 2012, 2013. I started writing about music. I just kind of like got on the radar of the guy who was running the music channel way back then. I was living in Cleveland at the time. I live in New York now. I was living in Cleveland at the time had just finished college with a business degree, had no idea what I wanted to do. I always had like a urge to like kind of do something in media, music, sports, whatever. So I just kept harassing this dude until he let me write on the site and I didn't even get paid. Like I wasn't an intern, but I was like an employee. I didn't get paid. I like, I just, you know, busted my ass for two years. And then, you know, one thing led to another. They're like, you know, I mean, I, I didn't get not paid for two years. Like they eventually started paying me pretty quickly, but uh, I don't want to make them sound like crazy. But uh, then I just, uh, eventually they're like, yo, come out to New York. We'll make you full time. So I did that. Long story short, I did that for a while. I worked on the Everyday Struggle, the Joe Budden show um, mm-hmm. while he was still there. So that was fun. You know, I'm still close with Joe. That's awesome. But, uh, and then eventually I ended up leaving, went to Def Jam for a year, not even a year, not, not even a year. I mean, nothing wrong with there. I just, you know, wasn't a fit, wasn't great. And then Complex was like, hey, we have an opening for our sports section, like running our sports vertical on edit video pods, everything. So, you know, it just, it, it kind of made sense to kind of go back. And then, you know, the pod's been great. You know, it's, it gets great reception. Like, I mean, we're very fortunate to get the people that we do. I mean, it's, it's a blessing every single day. I don't know when this is dropping. We have Keyshawn Johnson on tomorrow and he like, I don't know if you guys listen to, it, we have a co-host Zion yeah. who yeah. Zion who has outrageous Browns takes and outrageous takes. And yes, he, he does. Him and <laughs> him and Keyshawn just got it. I've never seen it before. They uh, just an argument over Tom Brady. It was great. I mean, it's fun. I, I, I love being able, I'm very blessed to be able to talk about sports, you know, in this capacity like, like this. So. One of the most important things you said, though, is you were living in Cleveland at the time. You're, you are a Browns, Cavs, Indians guy. And I think the main reason we wanted to have you on the show today was to talk, talk about the Browns. We are not a Browns podcast, but we are both from Cleveland. We are huge Browns fans. I think no better time than to talk about what happened yesterday. You know, the first episode I ever listened to, you you were going fucking bananas about Baker Mayfield because the guys were busting your balls. And me and Luke have a lot of back and forth via text message about Baker. So we'll get to Baker in a second, but mm-hmm. let's just talk about the game yesterday, your general thoughts on the game, how you felt, emotions, everything. I think talking about the game and talking about Baker is kind of one in the same because it's a roller True. Coaster. That's what this Brown season is. It's a, And I think, I think as Browns fans, we're finally getting a taste of what it's like to be actual NFL fans. We're so used to being bad, but this is – I talked to my Giants fan, my Giants friends fans, and I talked to like Cowboys, not Cowboys, that's a bad example, but, but these <laughs> fans of ever teams who have had success and they're like, yeah, bro, it's like, it's week to week. Like this shit is like, this shit's not easy, you know, like not, not to make it out something more than it is, you know, sure. we're just watching football, but like, like there's ups and downs to seasons. And the thing is Browns fans have never had that. 
they've only mostly had downs outside of the 2007 Derek Anderson season and 2014, the first whatever games with Hoyer, there's never been consistent belief that this team, Hey, we're going to the playoffs. Hey, this team might be kind of good. So it's like when you watch a game like yesterday, I don't know about you guys, but I'm like, there's no way they're going to score on this drive. And then the Bengals score. And I'm like, okay, there's no way the Browns are going to score again. They're just going to lose. So it's like, we're not conditioned to be ready for this kind of football. So we're all kind of learning. And I think we see it last week. Last week was an unreal week of, I don't think, uh, uh, and it just showed that this city does not know how to deal with this team. Right. And I'm not saying anybody's right or wrong. The media has to do what the media has to do. Baker played like shit. He should get fucking crucified. But I think it just totally encapsulated that this is new to everybody. Nobody here, Tony Grossi may have covered the Browns in the 80s. Nobody else has seen any kind of success. So it's like new to everybody. And I think we just have to get conditioned. Hey, this team's going to make the playoffs probably. And hey, they might be pretty good. I think we need to get there, but also understand that there's going to be moments that the defense looks fucking horrible and, you know, and they, they're not always great. Sorry for cursing. My bad. No, you're allowed. You're allowed. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you on on a couple things. The one thing I'll say is this is I it the, Luke and I were texting the whole time yesterday. There was there was never a doubt in my mind they were going to win that game and I, I I'm I'm 100% dead honest. I see things with this team that I've just never seen before. Maybe it starts at the top with the coaching staff, maybe it starts with you you can kind of see when Bake starts to get in a rhythm a little bit where he kind of just his his feet start to settle down a little bit the pat and the ball and that bullshit where he kind of starts to throw him <laughs> when all that stops I just I felt it I saw it I knew it was going to happen but similar to what you said last week I, I thought there was no chance they were going to win so yeah. I, you know I don't know Luke is a little bit more um he's I'm he, a straight it, up basket case watching these games yeah, man it's like, tough for I'm him. very emotional it's uh, and I think you hit the nail on the head when you said you talked about we're finally getting a chance to be fans of a real NFL team and how it actually goes week to week. Like I was, I was nuts yesterday. I was an absolute just emotional wreck yesterday watching that game more so even than the week before because I think I knew that we were probably not going to beat the Steelers. We might not have been in their class yet, but I wasn't expecting them to look like that. Then when we go yesterday, you know, that's the first team in NFL history to score thirty three points not punt one time and lose. So usually that's us. That's we're on the other side of that. So for us to get a win in, in that situation was, was just so big. It's a game that they didn't normally win. And it's a game where you don't expect the Browns to come off the Steelers shellacking and, and be able to, to focus, back. focus and bounce back. They, they, like that's like the thing about the Browns in the past is mistakes have always compounded on themselves. It always be one thing into another. Right, it turns into a fucking avalanche, and they just they, they don't have that will to kind of turn it around. No, I agree. And, like, Stefanski, I don't know if you guys saw the video on the Browns' Twitter like that yep. they put out, which I think they only put out because Ronnie Harrison leaked it uh, on his Instagram <laughs> story last night. I think it's just Stefanski has such a control of what's going on that the guys really are buying into, hey, we can be pretty good, so it's not like past years. And everybody's going to say, oh, they beat the Bengals, like, like do it again. But the thing is, and this is what I say on the pod all the time. Winning in the NFL is hard. It's not easy to do. Like these games, Joe Burrow is a legit quarterback. Like those guys Pro, win games. Yeah. You don't yes. just win games in the NFL. We've seen it. You don't just luck in. I mean, sometimes you luck into it, but it's very rare. It just doesn't happen. So for them to go out there 
And hey, and you, the, here's the thing. I was talking to some Patriots friends because I was trying to get a feel of where they are because they're on the side where they've never been. And they're like, how were you watching the Browns game? And I'm like, hey, it was stressful. And they're like, they're like, do you know how many times Tom Brady shouldn't have won a game that he had a minute left, drove down and made some throws like Baker made and won the game? And they're just like, yeah, yeah, it happens. They didn't say, oh, we should have done, like this team was bad. We should. It's the NFL. Every, the spreads are three points every That's game right. for a reason. The fucked up thing, right, is it, this whole dynamic of, well, it was just the Bengals, right? What would have happened if we would have lost that fucking game yesterday? Well, well, that's the thing. I was freaking out because the season's over probably if you lose that game. In the media's eyes, it is, right? It I turns mean, into this whole fucking same old Baker, Odell's done for the year, the, the, you know, there's no hope, the defense is dog shit, right? And and now all of a sudden it's just like, oh, when when we do something extraordinary, because that was extraordinary. First time in NFL history that there was five go-ahead touchdown passes in the fourth quarter of a game, right? We do something right. extraordinary. We actually win that game. It's, uh, it's just the Bengals. That fucking Bengals team is good. <laughs> Joe Burrow is good. They have four fucking wide receivers that are over 6'4 in like 210 pounds. That is an athletic up-and-coming football team that just doesn't know how to win games yet. And they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. And the fact that we were able to get them twice this year, I think we're going to look back on it. And it's going to be a feather-in-the-cap kind of situation. Yeah, no, I definitely... Th- like. I mean, like you said... Well, I, I don't think it would have been just over in the media's eyes. Like the media would, I mean, every, it would have been, it would have been bad, but I think it would have been over. It would have been hard for them to make the playoffs. If you fall to four and three mm. and you have the Raiders coming up and, and you really lose, you, you would have lost a lot of ground and put a lot of pressure on the Raiders game. And just, just kind of looking at the schedule. Yeah. You have the two New York teams later, but I mean, I'm, I'm still not counting out, the Eagles and the Texans games. No I'm way. Not, I'm not giving those as wins. They, they can win. The Browns will be favored and they'll be at home and they can win. But I'm just – I can't do it. So, I think – I think Baker really – Baker, Higgins, Donald Peoples-Jones, Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett, they saved the season yesterday with, with, with that play, which, you know, that's what teams do. You know, that's what good teams who make the playoffs do. That's what they do. Yeah, I mean, look at the Buffalo one eighteen to twelve against the fucking Jets yesterday. The Jets are <laughs> horrific, right? And Buffalo had to squeak out a win. They had to play a, a you know a, a, a dirty you know game, whatever. And they they won the game. And here's the thing: we win that game. Now all of a sudden the perceptions change. We're favored next week or this week. We're 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 three point favorites, at, you know, against the the Raiders, which if we lose that game, we're probably not. So, just the perception of of Vegas, the perception of the media, I guess, the fan psyches saved for another week a little bit. So, you know, I look, it could have gone either way. It went our way for one of the first times ever and it feels fucking great. Yeah, no, it feels good. It really it does. Good. What's your outlook for the rest of the season with Baker like do you think that he can he can turn this around? So my thing with Baker is he's obviously streaky. He's been streaky his whole career. He was streaky at Oklahoma. You just didn't notice it as much because, it, I mean, it, it's college and, it's, it, it's you know, you just don't see it as much. I think he's streaky. I think it's good that Nick Chubb is probably going to be back mm-hmm. in the game after the bye week. I think it's good that Wyatt Teller is back not if not this week right after the bye week Mm -hmm. i i think he has the tools and i'm not here for the obj they're better without obj 
I don't, I don't think I'm not buying that because OBJ is OBJ. Do I think Baker plays differently and is maybe more like sees things differently without OBJ? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe, I mean, we'll see. Like he could shit an egg on, on uh, Sunday. We never know. But I think that Baker, I think they figured something out where they can, they can make this a successful season for Baker. But the thing is, like I said, it's, it's going to be a roller coaster. There's going to be probably one or two more games where we're like, he might not be it. You know, I think, I think we just collectively have to maybe prepare ourselves for that. (laughs) That's the problem with Baker. He can't take his eyes off of Odell. And to your point, I agree with you. It's not Odell's fault. It's not Baker's fault. I just think, as he becomes more comfortable, you can see it. And he's he doesn't have a level of comfort with Odell because he's so focused on what Odell's route is for that play when he breaks the huddle. And I just feel like he's always – I feel like Odell's always the first read where, you know, maybe he should be, maybe he isn't. But he cannot take his eyes or his mind off of Odell, and the defense knows it. So that's what I think the trouble is. Yeah, I don't know how many reads he had to go through yesterday. Like the Higgins deep pass, that was his first read. I don't know if they were just giving him like he just knew where to go and it was open. Obviously there were some plays where, where it wasn't the first read, but I, I think that's going to be a challenge for him. I, I mean, his height is coming into play. I don't, yeah. I don't think he can always see what he wants to see, but maybe, maybe Stefanski figured out some things with him in the shotgun yesterday because he was in the shotgun more yesterday than he normally is. Maybe they figured out that that's the way to do it, even though because teams are starting to figure out the play action thing. If you notice, yeah, they when did he boots it now, mm-hmm. the, the end is right there. The, yeah. the, they know the the boot is coming, and and maybe that won't. Maybe that will change when Chubb comes back because they'll have to be a little more disciplined to it. But they've kind defensive has picked up on the boot, so I'm glad that Stefanski figured out another wrinkle to try and get Baker loose. And it really worked yesterday with the, uh, with, with the shotgun and kind of that spread out type of play. I totally agree with you. Like it's absurd to say that the t- offense is better without that guy, without that type of playmaker, but there's no doubt about it that he definitely looks different, whether it's, he just feels better just knowing that he doesn't, as, as Saba said, go and have, having to break the huddle and be like, well, I have to throw this one to uh, Odell or I have you- to get him the ball to get him going. You know what Keyshawn told us? Keyshawn had a really good thoughts on it because obviously Keyshawn's been a number one receiver sure. in, in offenses. So his thought was nobody should look at it as Odell is making Baker throw him the ball because that's not the case. I don't think that's the case. It's the fact that because of Odell's gravity and what he brings to the field, it's just ma- making Baker think, you know what? I got to get my guy the ball. Right. You know? So, but when he's, so when he's not out there and this was Keyshawn's theory, it could free up, Hey, I don't have a crutch in Odell. I don't have that to lean on. I gotta because if you notice, he checked down a lot more yesterday. He never checks down, and that's what frustrates me. Especially when you have like Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt can Kareem Hunt can make guy. He made guys miss in the open. He makes the first guy miss every time. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like I I don't know if it it, it, in this. I I don't know. I because because I really I really feel terrible for Odell, and it really really sucks because because he care. The thing about people don't realize about Odell, he cares so much and and he's not the problem that people make him out to be but he's just such he's such a superstar he is the biggest star in the nfl still that he just gets labeled with this stuff and when it doesn't work 
then, you know, it, but like, I, I, so I'm going to feel bad for Odell. If the Browns offense and Baker looks good going forward, I'm the one person I feel bad for is Odell. I'd be happy that's working, but I'm going to feel bad for Odell. But I mean, Keyshawn made the point, like Baker might just think less when Odell is not out there. We don't know. The, the sample size is too small to really know. The problem is when people are talking about the Odell thing, you can't just ignore the Cowboys game. That guy is a force of nature. Sure in different situations that Stefanski probably had in his mind. Hey, in a playoff game, I might look to get Odell touches in a variety of ways. You know, he's a weapon all over the field. So it's like you're losing such a big playmaker in that kind of scheme. I agree. And the big, uh, you know, the new big conspiracy theory that I read today from Brown's Twitter, which (laughs) is 100,000 Lukes, just a bunch of basket cases, that the reason why Higgins hasn't played the last year and a half is because of how great his chemistry is with Baker, and they didn't want Higgins' chemistry with Baker to take away from Baker's chemistry. I I know it's not. I'm just saying that's the crazy fucking shit that people people are coming up with right now. That's not true. He must think- just be really bad in practice, right? Because like how how can you just every time he gets to target like something happens. He lined I up th- he lined up three times wrong in the in the first once as soon as Odell went out, you three times in the first half yesterday. They 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 burned a timeout in the second half, but they had to kind yeah. of move him cuz he didn't know where I don't think he knows the playbook. I I have no inside information on the Higgins stuff. I think when he gets out there he makes plays. That's all I know. Every he time. Makes plays. Yep. He makes plays. I think he's a gamer. I think Baker trusts him, you know. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Expectations for the rest of the season, and we'll get you out on this. I mean, what are you you expecting? Do you think this is a playoff team? I mean, let's take the record out of it, or excuse Mm -hmm. me, the the remaining schedule out of it, because they do have a soft schedule. So I think that everything kind of is leading up to that. Do you think this is a playoff team? Do you think they're going to continue to improve? And do you expect this to be a team that looks more like they have against Pittsburgh and Baltimore if they make it to the playoffs? Or do you think that this is a team that can that can make some noise based on the talent that they have? I mean, I think it, it all just depends, like, where it goes. Like, I mean, you could get to six seed and you could play the Chiefs in the first round and then it's like it's, it's curtains. Like, they're not yeah. going to – I mean, that's just the way it is. Like, if we lose to the Chiefs, what can you say? We lost to the Chiefs. Right. So, it's like, I think my expectations are you have to make the playoffs this year. You're in a position. My expectations before the season were make the playoffs. I was like, nine and seven, make the playoffs. I, we're looking probably a little bit better than nine and seven right now. I, I, like I said, those the, the Philly and Texans games kind of worries me a little bit. But, you know, uh, they're going to be at home. So, I think playoffs mandatory has to happen. Whatever happens there, you're playing with house money. I think you really are playing with house money. Say you get the Bills. What if you get the Bills round right. one? I think that could be interesting. You know, you could make a division round. So I think I think we're fortunate that there's an extra playoff spot because if you look at the stand-ins, the Colts are right behind us. We have the tiebreaker over the Colts. Then it falls off a little bit. The Dolphins right there at three and three. I don't think the Dolphins are probably going to be there. I like two a lot, but mm. I just don't know if if they're going to be able to have sustained success with him right now. I think that will come later. So they're right there. Patriots have lost a few in a row. They've fallen off. If you beat the Raiders, you have a tiebreaker over the two direct teams that are probably going to be right behind you in the playoff race. That's huge. If you beat the Raiders, I think playoffs are guaranteed, God forbid, Miles or Ward or something bad happens. I think the way that it, the schedule and, and, it lines, and it lines up and who you play and who you played, 
Raiders pretty much secures, you know, secures something, which is, you know, there's a, it's a big game. It's going to be a good, uh, a good fun game. And um, I think that should be the goal. And I think they're, they should be happy with that. I don't think anybody should, anybody should be disappointed with the playoff season. You think we're going to win? This week against against the Raiders. Well, yeah. I got to save my official prediction for for a Thursday pod. Okay. I'll give you some thoughts on it. Yes, yeah. Let's hear first, some first team to forty might win. I mean, there's not going to be a lick of defense played in this game. <laughs> no. The Raiders defense isn't good. The Browns defense isn't good. I'm just interested to see Baker. I think that's the big thing. I'm interested to see Baker and how he does. You know, without Odell out there, mm-hmm. I'm. I hope Jarvis can get healthy. I love Jarvis. I hope Jarvis can continue to get a little bit more healthy, but. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun one. The Browns are, you know, let's let's try and have some fun. Absolutely. Where can we find so you? Let, let's get all the Instagram, all the all the handles, <laughs> everything where you're at. I'm not giving you all my IG, but my Twitter is Peachopped underscore. Uh, <laughs> follow Complex Sports for all the pod stuff. I tweet out the pod stuff too. Load Management Pod on Apple, Spotify, all that. I appreciate you guys for having me. Absolutely, Chops. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you, man. Hey, thanks for coming yeah. on, man. Great interview with Chops, man. What would you think about that? Oh, it was awesome. He came on and gave us some good stuff from uh, his show, and I thought it was it was fun. Yeah, I I, I really enjoyed that. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get some more guests like that. It's the first of many, so <laughs> hopefully fans enjoyed that. Let us know what you think. Hit us up on on IG or on Twitter and let us know what you think. There's gonna be plenty of opportunity, and and obviously. Uh, start listening to the load management podcast There's a lot of great content on there so let's get into week seven we're back to our old schedule now so at the time of recording monday night game has not been played so take that into consideration who's your best win of the week you know we called it the game of the week last week so i'm sticking with it i think the steelers had the best win of the week jumped out front early at tennessee let's see i believe they had a they went up pretty big yeah they were up 27 to 7 early in the third quarter they're on a 30-yard field goal from Boswell. And then uh, then t- Tennessee came alive a little bit, scored a couple touchdowns there before the fourth quarter. And then, as you mentioned already in the ad read, had a chance to uh, to send that game into overtime. But, um, I, you know, I just thought that they I thought they looked like the better team. The offense looked better. They had 362 total yards to 292 for Tennessee. They were able pretty much to do whatever they wanted, especially throughout most of those, those first, definitely in the first half and, and the beginning parts of that third quarter there. So I felt like, they were, you know, I just, the game never really, I know that there was a missed field goal late, but it never really felt that close to me. It felt like Pittsburgh kind of had the thing wrangled pretty good. What did you think? The one thing I want to say about that Pittsburgh Tennessee game is you saw yesterday how good Pittsburgh's defense is. You have to have a really, really good defense to overcome your quarterback throwing three interceptions. So I think that while it was a positive for them yesterday, I think long term, you know, the defenses are going to have bad games. So, you know, Roethlisberger needs to, to play a little bit better, obviously, in big games than he did yesterday, which is a little bit uncharacteristic of him. So something to look at there. For me, the best win, Bucks, Cardinals, and Steelers were all in contention. I'm going with the Bucks. I thought them winning 45-20 to 20 at the Raiders. You know, the Cardinals were at home. And then I I talked about Ben a little bit. I think that that sort of discounts that win a a little bit. And then the the Guskowski missed field goal. I think there was a lot of things there that kind of went their way. The Bucs were really dominant. Uh, The Raiders have shown that 
they're better than their record, I think, and they have beat some good teams, as we've talked about in past weeks. Tom Brady was outstanding again, 33 of 45, 369 yards, five total touchdowns, four throwing, one rushing. He had no picks, which anytime any of these quarterbacks aren't throwing interceptions, it's a big day for them. And then he had 127 quarterback rating, big number for him. Gronk. Another nice day, five catches, 62 yards, a touchdown. Scotty Miller and Godwin combined, 15 catches, 197 yards, two touchdowns, just an all-around all great team win. They scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. They really kept their foot on the gas, and the defense really held, held the Raiders to only 20 points. So a great all-around team win. Who's your worst loss? I think you made a really good point last week when you said this is teams that this is a team that you expect to win that we can, and they just don't show up. And for me, it's the Patriots. That was a game that I thought they should win. I didn't, I still, I'm still not real sure what to make of either team really, but Cam was awful. He got benched. I don't know if that was really just a, we're, we're making a switch at quarterback because obviously they're not, he's still the starter, but it was more of just a, it ain't working out today. So just, just take, take the afternoon off and, uh, just like Pittsburgh looked like the better team. I mean, San Francisco was definitely the better team. Just ran all over them. This drops the Patriots down to two and four, you know, a place they haven't been in a long time. And then, you know, Chops had talked about that a little bit on the interview. But Cam was 9 of 15 for 98 yards, three picks, 3.5 QBR. They made Jimmy Garoppolo look really good, 20 25, 277 yards. He did, he had, he did have the two picks, but um, it just, it was just all phases, you know, that that's one thing that the Patriots have been doing for 20 years is they beat you in all three phases, all three phases, your Belichick say it all the time. And they just got dominated in all three phases. So it'll be interesting to see if they can bounce back and how exactly they're going to do it. You know, I, I mentioned that Cam got benched, but Stidham wasn't much better. He's six of 10 for 64 yards and a pick. I mean, you know, I, I don't think that Cam is necessarily done or washed or anything like that. I think, you know, it's a couple bad games coming off. He did have that sickness, so he was away from the building a little bit. But I think I think he'll be fine long term. But they got a big one coming up this weekend that uh, I'm sure we might talk about later. But yeah. you know, I, I don't know what to make of them right now. What uh, what did you, what did you think? Well, my contenders were the Giants losing that game on Thursday night. They had that game. Evan Ingram drops that pass. You know, they had that game wrapped up. That that's a bad loss for them. They lost to a bad football team. You know, horribly co. Listen, it's getting to the point now where I think the the shine has worn off of Doug Peterson a little bit. He just the guy goes for two for no for no freaking reason, and it puts him in a situation where he has to continue to go for two because he didn't need to go for it in the first place. So, the Giants, the Patriots, the Seahawks are my contenders. I'm going with the Pats as well. I'm picking the Pats. This is the second week in a row. They lost 33-6 to at home against San Francisco. You talked about Cam was atrocious again. He got benched, only threw for 98 yards, no touchdowns. He's got five picks in the last two weeks. That Patriots defense got absolutely abused in the running game by San Francisco. 197 yards, four touchdowns. You know, I talked about this a little bit last week, the signs that the Patriots dynasty could be over as – quickly as it started I, I don't necessarily think it's time to order the tombstone on that dynasty but there are some serious concerns that I have that they're going to be able to turn this around now look if they continue to lose games they'll get a high draft pick 
I just I don't know if Cam's the answer for them. It seems like uh, McDaniel's potentially is struggling to find the right plays for him. I think early on in the season, th- that offense looked like it was Joan a little bit better. Him and Edelman have no chemistry at all. I don't know. I- I'm I'm really concerned about that team. They're two and four for the first time since 2000. They went five and eleven. They're certainly on that path. We'll see how they look this week. Like you said, we're probably going to talk about that. So let's get into week eight. What's the game you're looking forward to this week for week eight? And let's kind of couple it with that that must win game of the week. Um, so I, I'm just going to say the game I'm most looking forward to is Steelers Ravens. I just want to watch that. But the must win is the Patriots. I mean. There's no doubt about it. They have to win this game. It's a division game with, uh, you know, they're sitting at two and four. Buffalo is at, I'm sorry, they're playing at Buffalo. And uh, Buffalo is sitting at five and two in first place in the division. And the Patriots are two and four. You know, they're, they're behind Miami at this point. So they got to win just to keep up with, uh, you know, in, in the division to give themselves a shot at this thing later in the season. And I know that the Bills struggled a little bit this week with, uh, with the Jets, as we talked about earlier. But, um, you know, might might have been a little bit of a trap game for them in between two really big games for them coming off that Kansas City Monday nighter and then, uh, you know, this week with the Patriots. Yeah. This is a team that's owned them for 20 years. So just trying to figure it, just trying to, uh, you know, figure that out. What, what you know, that's I think that's the must-win game of the week is the Patriots, though. There's a few good ones this week. Pats at Bills, you talked about it. Steelers at Ravens obviously is is a good one. I don't I don't necessarily know if it's a must win game for either of those teams, other than just sort of early position and you know bragging rights and those kind of things. Raiders at Browns, I think that, that's another one that potentially could be. But I'm gonna go with the 49ers at the Seahawks. I'm gonna say this is a must win game for the Seahawks, and I'll tell you why. The 49ers they're surging a little bit, right? They're back to four and three. They got two wins in a row. They beat the Rams. They beat the Patriots. Seahawks are coming off of a a bad loss to Arizona. I think that's a bad loss. I think that's a team they should have beat. The defense was really bad. They gave up like 520-plus yards. Russ wasn't great. He threw three picks. The Seahawks are letting these teams in their division back into the race a little bit. So I think they need this win to keep some distance because – with that defense, they're going to need some cushion because I think there could be one or two other of these down the road. If if Russ doesn't throw for 350 yards plus, four-plus touchdowns, it almost feels like they can't win a game, and he's just not going to be able to do that every single week. So I think this is a must-win game for them right now to position themselves within their division. That's a good point. Like you said, he – he has to, I mean, he has to be on his A game every single week for them to win right now. I know they're getting Jamal Adams back at some point pretty soon here, but, you know, that's not going to transform that entire defense. They're still just not very good. I know normally we do a little bit more on the NFL, but because of the interview this week, I think we wanted to condense that a little bit. So next week we'll have our teams trending. We'll have our top three. Ooh, next week is – uh is the end of Q2. So we'll have an update of the water cooler challenge. We'll probably have an updated race for the, the number one pick and we'll be back to doing fantasy and, and knockout league stuff as well. So let's go ahead, transition. Let's do our few good minutes on college football. This is, 
I know that you don't necessarily love this, but this is becoming quickly my favorite segment of the show. I just, even though we only talk about it for a couple minutes, it's pushing me to watch more college football. Big Ten came back. For the most part, they didn't disappoint. Penn State found a way to lose to Indiana. We talked about that a little bit off air. I'm still not 100% sure that that ball didn't touch the ground out of bounds before it touched the pond. Listen. I watched I watched that play almost as many times as I watched that Baker throw to Donovan Peoples Jones. And there's a couple times where I looked at it and I was like, man, I think that ball touched down. Anyway, Penn State found a way to lose to Indiana. Clemson and Alabama kept it rolling with big wins. Oklahoma State had a nice win against Iowa State. They're still the only undefeated team in the Big Twelve. Notre Dame made me look really dumb, like a big, dumb idiot with a big road win. Not necessarily big because they beat a good team, but they won 45-3 to against Pitt. How'd that plus 10.5 spread at home look? Really terrible. That was done in about the first seven minutes of the game. Them number nine UC Bearcats. Big road win against number 16 SMU, 42-13. So keep an eye on that team. Nebraska, let, let, let's get into the games that we really want to talk about. Nebraska hung with the Ohio State Buckeyes early. It was 14-14 in the second, and then they went on a 38-3 run. Talk about what you saw there as our as the water cooler resident uh, Ohio State fan. Yeah, I thought uh, obviously they started pretty slow there. The defense looked bad. I mean, Nebraska just kind of went up and down the field. As you're going to get, you know, uh a lot with uh, with Nebraska. Whenever you play Nebraska, is is you know that Martinez is going to fumble. So they fumbled a couple times. Um, they lost two of them. They fumbled three times, lost two of them, and then uh, looked like Ohio State finally got into gear. Like Justin Fields never really started slow. He he, he was twenty of twenty one for two seventy six and two touchdowns. And, and again, I know it's Nebraska, and they were favored by twenty six points. So maybe Day was saving some anything that looked that didn't look vanilla. But the play calling was really kind of. It left a lot to be desired, in my opinion, but I know he's got a big game this week, and it's you know first game of the year. So, But uh, another 54 yards. The rushing game, they had 215 yards. I mean, this is Ohio State is quickly becoming a, an, a wide receiver factory. Brian Hartline is an absolute stud. They got that kid Jackson Smith and Jigba, who had just an unreal catch late in the game for a touchdown where he kind of hovered. And just got his little his foot down and tapped down uh, right in the back of the end zone. There, it's impressive. Yeah, Olave did get banged up, but Garrett Wilson is is an absolute stud. I think, I think both those guys might be first rounders along with Fields. So, and and the running back too. We, I mean, we we got Trey Sermon uh, going. He was eleven for forty eight. Master Teague twelve for forty one off that injury, a couple touchdowns. So it was a very slow start, but then they finally got it going, and uh, the defense the defense came around a little bit, and they. Uh, they ended that little flirtation that Nebraska had in the first half. So, all good what did, uh Yeah, what did, did you see? Anything that interests you? Not with that game, I'll tell you that there was a, there was a game that interested me, and that was probably the biggest win of the week in college football, and that was Integrity U, the Michigan Wolverines. Big road game for them, week one. They beat number 21, Minnesota, 49-24 to under the bright lights of primetime. Michigan had some talent on offense. Uh, they got a four-running back rotation. Hassan Haskins, Zach Charbonnet, Blake Corum, who's a J.K. Dobbins clone. 
Ben Mason, who's been there for about six years, it feels like he's 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 the fullback that always comes out with with the blood on his nose because he sticks his head in there and the helmet cuts up the bridge of his nose. They got another guy, Jackson. Uh, that Michigan backfield is something to be reckoned with. They have a whole gang of 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 talented wide receivers. They're moving away from the big bodied. Athletic big body guys, they're going more in the mold of not small, but guys that are like six, six one, more athletic. They got about three or four of those guys, and they might have a quarterback in Joe Milton. Six five, two forty three, runs a four six forty. He doesn't have the arm of Justin Fields. I don't know if anybody does except for Trevor Lawrence, maybe, but he's definitely got the look. You know, the Michigan defense was a little shaky early. But that Minnesota offense is pretty damn good. They got an NFL quarterback in Tanner Morgan. Look, he's not a first-round draft pick, but he will be drafted. They have a first-round wide receiver in Rashad Bateman. That running back, uh, Muhammad Ibrahim, he flashed a lot. He had a great game. He had about 160 yards and two touchdowns. But they only gave up seven points in the second half, so I think they settled in a little bit. I saw a lot of things to be excited about. But I'm not going to get crazy. You know, Joe Milton there's a lot to work on there. He's we'll see with him, but he's definitely got the look of a guy that can, that can be a really big athletic quarterback, but I don't know if the arms are there. Well, I need to see more. So games to watch this weekend. We're right back at it. Little brother, Michigan state with new head coach, Mel Tucker at number 13, Michigan. That's a noon game. They saw enough of us in prime time. So they're, they're putting us against little brother at noon. Wisconsin at Nebraska. Nebraska did look good in that first half, so let's see how they look against Wisconsin. Obviously, Wisconsin ranked high. They're in the top ten. They're either eight or nine, but they're certainly not Ohio State, so let's see how Nebraska plays with them. They might be able to hang with them. Game of the week, number three, Ohio State, number 18, Penn State. That's in prime time on ABC. You know, Can Penn State bounce back from that loss against Indiana? There's no fans, so there's no whiteout this year. You know, Ohio State. In games that they have lost to Penn State, they've struggled a little bit playing in Happy Valley. That's obviously not going to be the dynamic this year. And there are some concerns with Ohio State. I know you kind of glossed over them a little bit. The running game, even though you said you know they got going a little bit, the running game's not what it has been in the past by by any means. They do not have in the last six seven years they've had two guys that were NFL guys in that backfield at any given time. I don't even know if they have one right now. We'll see. Maybe there's going to be some development. The other thing that I think stuck out to me a lot is that defensive line. You're used to Ohio State getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, I only watched the first half. I, I just, I didn't, I didn't see it. So there's a couple things I want to see from Ohio State as the season goes on. I'm not saying that they're, you know, they're going to lose to anybody at all, uh, you know, outside of the playoffs because clearly they're they're one of the three or four best teams in the country right now. So, you know, they're up there with Alabama, they're up there with Clemson, they're they're right there. But I see some I see some holes on that team that I haven't seen in the past that I want to see uh, cleaned up a little bit. They had three sacks against a couple quarterbacks that like to take off and run. So I mean. God, how long has that Martinez kid been in Nebraska? I think this is the second one. It's a brother. Oh, because I was going to say, this it feels is, like this, this, is kid's... Eight. 
this is Adrian Martinez. But, what was um, the other one? Yeah. Blake Martin? No, Blake. No. Taylor, wasn't it? It was. Taylor, Taylor Martinez. Martinez. Yeah. I, I mean, again, first game of the year, they could just be, could be, you know, looking forward to that game next week in, in Happy Valley a little bit. But, uh, I don't want to show too much. You know, obviously, anytime you lose a guy like, like Chase Young, your, your line's going to look a little different. So even no, for, you know, those, those schools like Ohio State and Alabama and, and, you know, teams like that that put guys in the NFL every single year. So, so that's it for the show today. Uh, don't forget at WC Sports Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Make sure that you're liking and following us and subscribing us on social media and on all of your favorite streaming platforms. We're available on iTunes. We're available on Google Podcasts. We're available anywhere that uh, you can you can consume podcast we are there so just google us at wc sports pod and find us as always brought to you by the believe podcast network number one podcast network for professionals 341 shows we continue to grow with the podcast we love the believe podcast network so check us out at believe.com that's b-l-e-a-v and as always presented by betonline.ag Head to betonline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Last message. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you believe. I don't care what you support. I don't care if you're independent, moderate, liberal, conservative. I don't care what. Please, please, please. Get out and vote. Make your voice heard. It is critical for everybody to take advantage of one of the last rights that we still have that are ours. Uh, this country is in a place right now where I think the only thing that's going to change, if you're unhappy, if you're happy, if you want to keep it the way it is, vote. If you're unhappy, get out there and vote. But I just encourage everybody to to take advantage of, of, of their ability to go out and vote, please. Definitely. Couldn't agree more. With that, we love you and enjoy your lives. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.